Hi, I'm Dan Bukasic at LawyersWithDepression.com. Today's guest is Tom Roberts. Tom is a mental health speaker and writer living in Huntington Beach, California. He is the author of Escape from Myself, A Manic Depressive's Journey to Nowhere. Tom earned his master's degree in radio, television, film from the University of Kansas. He worked for several years as a broadcast journalist for local stations and freelance for National Public Radio's popular news program, All Things Considered, The Voice of America, and ABC Radio News. He was assistant professor of broadcasting at John Brown University in Solon Springs, Arkansas, and later taught technical communication for the University of California, Berkeley School of Engineering Extension. Tom has been a professional actor on stage, screen, and television, and currently does voiceover work in the Los Angeles area. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Dan. I appreciate the invitation. I think our our audience uh, wants to know, uh, what is bipolar disorder, and how is it different from depression? Well, bipolar disorder is described as an affective uh, illness, that is, it affects your moods, and you go from deep, deep depression to uh, a manic episode, which would make you uh, hyperactive, uh, poor impulse control, and uh, a number of other things like hypersexuality, those kinds of things. The the depression is major depression, uh, and it is treated a bit differently than uh, bipolar. It usually responds well to antidepressants, whereas bipolar, you have to experiment with different medications. Uh, and I always dread the worst part of bipolar disorder, which is the bipolar depression. That is deep, deep, deep. And in fact, uh, 15 to 17% of the people with bipolar commit suicide. What causes bipolar depression? On, on the show previously, we talked with other guests as to the causes uh, or risk factors for depression, but what about bipolar disorder? With bipolar disorder, first of all, it uh, it is believed to be genetic. I, I not my family, <laughs> uh, my dad, my brother, uh, and so forth. The sister, uh, we all have it, and uh, so first of all, it, it uh, is genetic. But the cause of it doesn't have to manifest itself. Frequently, it goes along, maybe the, the genetically, it doesn't, the, the gene doesn't wake up until there is what is called a precipitating cause. In my experience, the precipitating cause, I believe, was the sudden death of my mother when I was 14. And then the depressions started, and it really disabled me throughout college, uh, throughout my 20s, throughout my 30s. And it was only addressed as depression because that's the only way it presented itself. You don't go to the doctor when you're manic and say, hey, doc, I feel great. What's wrong with me? So once it's, once it's diagnosed, then the, uh, then the correct medication can be given, the, uh, the mood stabilizers, and uh, that's, how, that, that's what happens. You mentioned the sudden death of your mother. Can you share with our audience uh, what happened to her? Certainly. Uh, I was uh, ninth grade, and uh, I'd gotten into a bit of trouble. And a little boyhood prank with some other guys. 
and the mama had to get me out of it. So uh, she came to school after she talked to the county attorney and uh, picked me up after school and said, as long as I live, I'm never going to help you out of another mess like this. And just after she said it, she slumped forward and deep pain and managed to get down to her doctor's office. Uh, uh, and I remember her saying uh, to the doctor, please tell Tommy, that's what I was called as a boy, I forgive him. And then the last time I saw her alive was when they wheeled her out. What happened to her is that she had a burst brain aneurysm that she didn't know she had and uh, had high blood pressure that was been treated for. So uh, that that's what happened. She was 34 years old and left three boys behind. Well, thanks for sharing that powerful story, Tom. Um, getting back to bipolar disorder, um, how common is it in the United States? We've had some statistics uh, about depression, but what about bipolar disorder? Certainly, the the, the bipolar disorder uh, is uh, it is uh, the you know I think it's two point six percent of the people with bipolar disorder, and uh, it is um, uh, no it's, it's it's not that common among the American uh, public, and it is um, uh, uh, it but it it is. Uh, to the degree that it is so uh, difficult to treat, uh, I think 15, as I said, 15 to 17 percent of the of the people who have it uh, ultimately kill themselves, and uh, this is uh, the, the the difficulty with it. And it is fairly rare uh, in our population, but you know it's still there. And. You mentioned earlier your your brother and your sister were afflicted with bipolar, and is it fair to say that genetics uh, seems to play a role, and it did in your uh, development of mm -hmm. bipolar? Oh, definitely. Uh, I, in fact, in my book, I, I say my my experience with bipolar began uh, the moment I was uh, I was my mother was impregnated by, by <laughs> me uh, by my dad, you know, so it began there. Uh, and, and it, it is it, uh, going through my family. It went through my family like a Kansas tornado. Uh, my dad had it and refused because of his fear of stigma to ever get help uh, for, from a psychiatrist until two years before he died, and he died at 62. Uh, my brother, who was seven years younger than I am, was diagnosed with it when he was in the army and then discharged without any treatment. And he was so ashamed and so afraid of stigma that he didn't get help and unfortunately uh, committed suicide. The, uh, my sister, my surviving sister, uh, was diagnosed when she was around 35, and she continues today trying to deal with it and trying to figure out ways to better manage it uh, as a mother of two boys. And uh, I have a stepsister who took her life uh, five years mm -hmm. after my brother because uh, she suffered from major depression and she was addicted to uh, prescription narcotics, which she used to, to take out her life. So that's I, I'm, one of my chapters is that uh, uh, mental illness is a family dis-ease <laughs> with the emphasis on ease because our craziness in our family mixed with untreated bipolar disorder uh, was just uh, low. It, it very much. And, and so I'm so afraid of the genetics 
in my children and especially in my grandchildren. So my goal is really educating them and 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 helping them uh, see the you know symptoms, anything, so that they can get it treated earlier uh, than I did. Can you share with our audience your your first big experience uh, with bipolar? What was it? What was the experience like? Uh, try to put our listeners in in your shoes. Okay. Uh, well, I had been struggling with depression, as I said, since my mother passed. It was awful in college. Uh, it was, um, it, it, in fact, it was kind of interesting in college because uh, friends of mine who were psychology majors used to ask me to do the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Test, the MMPI, <laughs> which is very common in determining personality, especially <laughs> abnormal psychology. They never told me why. I just wanted to help them out. And then after I finished college, went to graduate school, and then eventually went into broadcast journalism, I fought depression right and left. When I wasn't depressed, I couldn't remember a time when I was depressed, clearly, and when I was depressed, I couldn't remember a time that I was ever not depressed. So I call those things my happy times, and in those happy times, my behavior was rather poor. Uh, I drank a lot, I womanized a lot, and spent a lot of money, and those kinds of things were never, never addressed. And so I went on from being a broadcast journalist to teaching broadcast journalism at a small uh, Christian college in Arkansas, miserable, in and out of major depressions, and blaming. I thought it was my environment. I was in the wrong career. I didn't like the people. I became very suspicious of other people. And then finally, in 1988, I was severely, severely depressed after spending a year on sabbatical, uh, working on my PhD. And I admitted myself to a psychiatric hospital to be treated for the depression. The psychiatrist there uh, treated me for depression. He did not treat me for bipolar. So he gave me a new antidepressant. I won't mention this name, but it it really sent me to the moon in about three days. And suddenly, Hmm. I had this wild idea wow, I know what I can do to get out of the situation. I can go to Hollywood and be a film and television actor, and and it's always what I wanted to do. So uh, I found this other woman (laughs) in the psychiatric hospital who believed in my dream, and so we planned to go to Hollywood, which we Hmm. did. And uh, that was the major manic episode because I walked away from my wife, my two little kids, my college teaching career, to go pursue a fantasy. And when that bubble bursts, as it always does, and I was back in major depression, I tucked my tail between my legs and took a bus back to Arkansas, trying to salvage everything, but, but it, was all, it was all gone. It, it, destroyed, it destroyed everything that I had. Well, I mean, that's a very powerful story. And when you say you concluded with it destroyed everything, it must have been very difficult to cope with. I mean, did it did it did it uh, intensify your depression, or what was your reaction and behavior after all that and coming to terms with it? 
it intensified my depression for five years. And uh, I was doing menial jobs. Uh, one, I was, I was a hospital emergency room janitor, just trying to get a little money, uh, living in an unheated cabin in the country. Uh, 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 two years before, I was a college professor, had my own home and my family. So that was quite a shock, uh, living that way. And I was depressed more and more, and I became more preoccupied with suicidal ideation uh, during that period of time. And uh, I never attempted, but I thought about it a lot. The uh, fact that I finally was diagnosed with bipolar actually came from a, a, a neat physician, uh, orthopedic physician I worked for. And I was, uh, he, he gave me a job of videotaping knee surgeries and producing videos for his patients. And about a year into the job, I was in the operating room uh, taping a surgery and talking nonstop. And he stopped the surgery and he said, I want to see you outside. And so we went back to the surgeon's uh, dressing room. He, he sat down on the bench and he said, Tom, you're acting kind of crazy and you're scaring the staff. I think you may have bipolar disorder and I do not want you to come back to work until you've seen a psychiatrist. Hmm. And five days later, I was in the psychiatrist's office talking nonstop for hour, And he said, without a doubt, <laughs> you have bipolar disorder, Mr. Roberts, and I'm putting you on this medication that I want you to take immediately. And that was the beginning of a journey of awareness that I had to learn how to manage. And Tom, how long ago was that, uh, that experience? So how long ago was it, uh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, just to put it in Oh, yes. Actually, I was diagnosed in 1993, uh, Good Friday, 1993. Mm -hmm. It was a year after my brother's suicide. Had I been diagnosed before, I could have talked to my brother about it and got him some help. But it was 1993, and I was under the assumption, because my psychiatrist did not tell me what I had to do to manage this illness, that if I just took a pill every day, I'd be okay. Uh, that's not true. Medication compliance is important, but I had to learn how to manage my life, my stressors, my sleep patterns, my nutrition, and that took almost 20 years to learn. And unfortunately, I left a lot of wreckage behind. Well, Tom, I, I think that it would be helpful for uh, for our listeners to understand, you know, it's a very, very compelling story you tell, and it's filled with um, a lot of suffering, but it also is a, is a um, good story, and it's got an upside because you've done a lot to recover, and uh, you've done a lot to reach out and help other people. Um, tell us about some of the things you do that you found effective over the years to manage bipolar. I think the first and foremost, besides medication and compliance, I never miss my medication. The first and foremost in terms of helping me is a good sleep pattern. It's mm. called sleep hygiene. That's the usually an early indication of the onset of a mood change. If uh, you miss sleep or can't sleep or whatever, uh, usually we call it the three-night rule of getting very little sleep. So six to seven hours a night, 
uh, is what I need every night to stay even. Uh, uh, exercise. Fortunately, I have a dog. <laughs> he always reminds me. Of, always reminds me when it's time to go for a walk because he comes into my office <laughs> and sticks his nose up uh, next to my leg. So I have to go out. But uh, the exercise, the clean air, uh, that's terrific. The other thing that uh, has helped me so much, I, I remarried in 2010, and I, it was just having a family, uh, having loved ones. Uh, my two adult children went through some difficult times with me, but we're very close. And, and and being a grandfather, so all of these, and being very very grateful, but having to stop at times and say thank you to my higher power that uh, I am here. It took a long time, but I put the pieces together, and I see a psychotherapist when I need to, and uh, those. But those are management uh, tips. And you've written a book as well. Uh, you've written a book called Myself, A Manic Depressive's Journey to Nowhere. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book and why did you write it? Well, the book is my memoir, and uh, I have been struggling with the idea of writing a memoir for 10 years, I guess. But I wasn't ready yet, and probably because I wasn't stable yet. If I had done it earlier, it would have been, particularly, it would be grandiose. This time was a year ago, I had I was asked to give a webinar for the International Bipolar Foundation, and I wrote uh, a very long uh, presentation, and I thought afterwards, you know, this is a great outline for this memoir. All I have to do is flesh it out a little bit, and I found a publisher, and, uh, and then I, I wrote it. And uh, I have to tell you that I wrote it with many tears, uh, reliving some of these experiences, especially my brother's death. It was, uh, but it was cathartic, you know, and by the time I finished it and it was published, that, that was, uh, that was, that was what I was, what I needed. And then I realized in the process of writing, something I mentioned to you earlier about my grandchildren, I love what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, writing is man's greatest invention. It hmm. allows the dead to, to speak to the living or those yet to be born. And I thought, wow, I, my grandchildren <laughs> can pick this up one of these days. And it will help them. So, well, I, that's kind of I, where it I, is. I, mm -hmm. I uh, feel the same way, and I'm a writer, as you know, and have a website and written a lot of blogs, as you have, and you have a website called Tom Speaks Out, which is a wonderful website, which I'd encourage all of our listeners to, to visit. And in on your website, Tom, uh, you've done some writing about the stigma associated with mental illness. What do you mean by that stigma, and what have your experiences been with it? Well, stigma is is something that uh, killed my brother and that killed my sister because they were too afraid to get help. So when I speak today, I know from from react from my experience that stigma kills. It kills because people are afraid to get help. There are forty two thousand suicides every year in this country. Every twelve point eight minutes many of them between the ages of 15 and 24. They don't get help because society is, as 
has marginalized them, if you're mentally ill, and, and also my experience as a broadcast journalist, and I'm watching CNN, and and they're talking about a mass shooting, and they happen to mention, oh, this mm-hmm. guy had a, had a mental issue, but they don't get into detail. And the fact is, uh, very, very few of people with mental illness are violent. Mostly, mostly, most of them are victims of violence. So the, that was part of it. But my stigma, my stigma stuck with me because I was afraid of asking for help from employers for accommodations, such as a little time off to go see my therapist on days that I was depressed, you know, taking a day or two off. Uh, getting uh, getting away from a lot of uh, a lot of distractions and and part of the bipolar uh, illness is that there is some cognitive impairment so that you have some difficulty remembering directions and uh, so those are the kinds of things I could have asked for under the Americans with Disabilities Act but I was afraid because I didn't know what the employer would think of me for not telling him when he hired me that I was mentally ill. Uh, I've had friends uh, who've, uh, who've uh, distanced themselves, uh, marginalized me. But the one that has hurt the most is a, a, a member of my extended family. He based his uh, stigma on his experience with a girlfriend years ago who hmm. had bipolar uh, she didn't manage it very well. And uh, so that's all he knows about bipolar. So as a result, he won't let me come back into his house or hmm. be around his daughters. It, it, it's so humiliating and stressful. And it reminds me that I have to control one of the main triggers for an episode, which is of depression, uh, which could be deadly because I may not come out alive. And I see things like that, and I think, my God, I've got to educate, I've got to educate and educate about this illness. And uh, because I think uh, education will break through the stigma. I hope it does. Tom, uh, I want to swing back to one thing. Earlier you said, when I asked how common bipolar was, you said about 2.6% of the population uh, we know that uh, people from major depression, it's about, estimates uh, seem to indicate about 12% or so, but experts also have said that uh, so many people go misdiagnosed or underdiagnosed, um, you know, and you even indicated that you were misdiagnosed. Um, that 2.6% figure, uh, is that include people who are never Diagnosed? Is that an estimated for the total population, or is it uh, those who are actually diagnosed? No, it includes those who are actually diagnosed. I found the figure I was looking for a moment ago. It's 5.7 million adult Americans mm-hmm. uh, between uh, 18 and older, uh, and uh, that that's that's just for bipolar. And mm-hmm. uh, just to reiterate, it takes a long time to get that diagnosis. Uh, the average is seven years from the onset wow. of symptoms. It was 22 years from, <laughs> unfortunately. Some people uh, that I've known who are bipolar, when they talk about their manic episode, uh, they they indicate you know how wonderful it is to be in it in a sense. You know when you're in it, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Was that your experience? Yes, it was. And, and when I, especially uh, when I was hypomanic, I was getting there. I was so productive and I was happy and was enjoying life and getting up and around. And particularly, especially as I become an older adult, uh, the way it affects us, I'm 66. The way it affects us is that we have more episodes of depression and hypomania. It's called rapid cycling, which is four or more episodes per year. When we are depressed, and we're really depressed because we're thinking about when we were hypomanic because we were so energetic. And when mm-hmm. we're hypomanic, we're energetic, thank God, so I can move around. Uh, that's that's uh, really has been my experience. Tom, with uh, with bipolar and, uh, you know, when we think of depression, a lot of people in, in this culture, people have a general awareness of mental health. It's easier maybe for them to understand depression than bipolar. Uh, yes. Not exactly, uh, you know, they don't have an exact idea of what true clinical depression is, but they have, many people have some idea. I don't think that's true for bipolar. And one of the things that I've always wondered about before I got to know some bipolar friends, in your particular experience, how much of the time do you spend in depression and how much of the time do you spend in mania when when you're you know when you're not feeling one or the other? Uh, just to give us some mm-hmm. sense of this. That's a very good question, Dan. I spend, when I, in my mood, I spend the majority of my time in depression. That's, that's the one that, uh, that I am terrified of every day if I feel anything coming along. Because that depression is, bipolar depression is hard to treat. It has certain symptoms that are a little different. The, the cognitive impairment is a little deeper. And uh, so, and, and of course, the suicidal ideation comes back. The last time I was in a, uh, in a bipolar depression was in 2010. I had just gotten married. And hmm. it seems like that would have been the happiest time. And I fell into a depressive episode for 10 months. It could not hmm. be treated. It was medication resistant. Finally, my psychiatrist decided to try a new medication that just came on the market, and it worked hmm. in three or four days. Yeah, it was amazing. And a tiny girl pill every day got me back to life and gave my wife back the man she married. So, uh, but it is depression. The the hypomania that we have, I just have to monitor that. My spending. Uh, hypersexuality used to be a big, big problem for me. It was uh, destroyed my marriage. Uh, so uh, that uh, is, is not a problem, but I have to be aware that that could be a problem. And uh, but but that and overspending, um, you know, the two things. When I get to be hypomanic, uh, I got to watch out for and 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 cutting back on my sleep. So those are things. But depression scares me. Well, Tom. Uh... You've shared a very powerful story uh, with our listeners and uh, given us a lot to think about and take stock of uh, when we think about bipolar. Uh, thanks for sharing your story and time with us today. You're quite welcome, Dan. Thank you so much for inviting me. I welcome everybody and encourage everybody to, re- to read the book, Myself, A Manic Depressive's Journey to Nowhere. It's a great read. 
It's a powerful story, and I encourage everybody to pick it up uh, in any bookstore or in Amazon.com. Uh, also, please check out Tom's website, Tom Speaks Out, where you can find plenty of resources and information about bipolar illness. I'm Dan Lukasik from LawyersWithDepression.com. Join us next week for another interesting interview.